Today, I'm going to cover the Bhagavad Gita slightly differently to the way that I have in the past. Um, I've covered, uh, well, I've done a couple of sessions in the past. One's a podcast on the 2020 Meditation podcast called The Yoga of Meditation. And the other one is called, um, is a, um, actually, I'm not sure if I put that online. It was uh, a, a talk that I did at the mansion. So this is a little bit more basic meditation level um, about the about the Bhagavad Gita. So for those those of you that don't know what it is, it's an ancient Indian text where yoga was explained as a a practice of the Indian warrior caste. So I've done a little bit of digging on the Bhagavad Gita and I discovered that there's there's two key texts for yoga that go back um, to before the life of Christ. There was an awful lot of stuff in the Middle Ages. But the original yoga text, it seems, is a thing called the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And it's all it's basically it's all about meditation. Uh, so if we just go here, this is a a translation by BKS Iyenga, who was the uh, the originator of the Iyengar school of yoga. And that there are there are eight limbs to this original yoga that was promoted in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And and three of those limbs are very specifically meditation. Dharana is focusing on a on a single point. So I look at the camera and I, if I focus absolutely on the camera, that's dharana. And then I focus on the microphone, dharana. I focus on my finger, dharana, dharana, dharana. And then we have maintaining focus. So let's say I'm focusing on the breath. That's the, the typical one. That's dhyana. So that's another of the eight limbs of yoga. And then finally, this is how it was explained. Let's just say that uh, in the in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, when you focus on something to the point where, so let's say you're focusing on the breath, you're focusing on the breath. You know the the thoughts dissipate and the 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 emotions dissipate and the sense of you being a, a human being in an environment reduces and reduces and reduces the 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 there is a sense that you and the object of your focus cease to be separate there's a sense that the separation diminishes and there's a it, it's fun it's 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 a it's an enjoyable elevation of our experience and it's achieved very simply by practicing over a period of time and that's known as samadhi 
Uh, there are another couple of branches. Um, there's uh, pranayama, for example, the breath. So I teach a lot of um, pranayama meditation. And prana means the breath and a yama means to extend it. And that was one of the eight limbs of, um, I think it's Ashtanga Yoga. They refer to it as Ashtanga Yoga. Forgive me if I'm not correct. I'm not up on all of that. But I, I, I use that as an introduction. So the, the it seems that the origin of yoga was a deeply spiritual one. But come two or 300 BC, we, we don't absolutely know the date of these. There's also the reality that a lot of, a lot of things are maintained in oral tradition. There's a great Indian epic called the Mahabharata, which is about, it's a, it's a moral tale, really. And, and it's about a battle between two great families, the Kauravas and the Pandavas, they're brothers, and they, they, they have great kingdoms. And then you, you may have heard me describe this. There's the war to end all wars and the battle to end all battles where the Kauravas and the Pandavas are lined up. A couple of lines of elephants and chariots as far as the eye can see. Just out of arrow range. And uh, they're all ready to go and fight. And apparently in this battle everybody dies. And out into the no man's land, the empty space between the two warring armies drives a chariot with one of the princes of the Pandavas uh, who's called Arjuna in the chariot and unknown to him at the time Krishna who is the rep who he's the manifestation of the divine Godhead on earth the same root as Christ Christ Krishna um, and, it, and it's, it's a it's a pure form of that as opposed to many of the other manifestations of of God that, that the Hindu pantheon, 300 million gods, <laughs> all too complicated for me. I only know about half a dozen. And so Krishna then trains um, Arjuna in yoga in this magical setting in the no man's land between these two great armies just before they all fight each other and die. And in there is, I think it's chapter 6, uh, Krishna explains to, to Arjuna, and it, this is all about the yogi, the, the yogi, and by then what had happened is the spiritual concept, concept of yogi had become, yoga had become the the culture of the Indian warrior caste. So there was a striving for perfection of character through yoga. And chapter six is, is called the yoga of meditation. And this is what Krishna says. He says that the yogi should practice meditation alone, mastering mind and body, free of possessions and desires sitting down having chosen a spot that's neither too high nor too low anybody who's meditated in the countryside you'll completely understand that totally correct uh, that's clean covered with a grass mat a deer skin and a cloth 
you should fo focus with your entire mind on a single object. You see that's been maintained, that's been retained, this concept of, of focusing the awareness on a single object. With your entire mind, and you practice this way, and soon your mind will become pure. So with torso and head held straight, with posture steady and unmoving, this uh, translations from the Stephen Mitchell version of the Bhagavad Gita, which is the one I've been able to read. <laughs> I tried some of the others, I just gave up. Um, with posture steady and unmoving, gazing at the tip of your nose, so you're looking down past the tip of your nose, which is still something that I, I teach. Not letting your eyes look elsewhere, sit there calm, fearless, firm, in your vow to be chaste. It doesn't mean you have to give up sex forever. What it means is in that in that moment you're not going to be distracted. Um, your entire mind directed, focused, and absorbed in presence. So this, this is kind of an, it, it is an extension of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. So it seems that the the warrior class in India took the spiritual um, cultural concepts of yoga and then made them their focus uh, so constantly mastering your mind the yogi grows peaceful attains supreme liberation and vanishes into bliss and yep yeah uh, i don't think many long-term meditators haven't encountered bliss uh, if you're a long-term meditator and you haven't encountered bliss come and see me right and then he goes on and he says with a mind grown clear and peaceful, freed from selfish desires, absorbed in the self alone, when by self we don't mean, you know, <laughs> my extension, myself, a house, car, job, what people think about me. What we actually mean is the, is the, 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 the awareness, the presence, the I am that's behind all of that. Uh, you become a true yogi. I remember this was the goal of the goal of the Bhagavad Gita. I believe was to trans, transfer the the concept of yoga as a purity of spirit. And then he says, "A lamp sheltered from the wind does not flicker." This is the experience of the true true yogi. You see the self. This this is the awareness that that lives behind every everything that's that we all share it's exactly the same you me ants possibly <laughs> um, through the mind and rest in the self rejoicing no, it's rest in the self I just um, published a podcast um, rest in natural great peace which is a, a very recent Buddhist poem so these these things hold true throughout all of these 2,500, 3,000 years because basically human beings are the same. We haven't really changed much. The true yogi knows the infinite joy that is reached by the understanding beyond the senses. Steadfast, do not fall back from the truth. Attaining this state, you will know that there is no higher end attainment. You will be rooted there, unshaken even by the deepest sorrow. And uh, from personal experience, absolutely, meditation is, is, a, is a huge benefit when we're grieving or suffering. 
the, the capacity to bring ourselves to a place of awareness that allows us to become aware of how we're responding to our experiences is a fantastic thing. Okay, so what I'm going to do today is <laughs> I'm going to continue with this great tradition of, and I'm bear in mind I'm agnostic, this is a secular interpretation of this. Um, I'm going to do is continue with this great tradition of focusing our awareness that's lasted 2,500 years at least and quite possibly 3,000 years. Uh, so meditation's not a fad. It's here to stay. And in here, in this sound, what you'll notice is all of that, everything that Krishna explains to Arjuna in that dialogue. If you notice, if you learn to notice the present moment, in the sound of the bell moving through time and so noticing the sound of the bell and that minuscule present moment slowly gently moving through time And because the bell's stopped, sound hasn't. So we can stay in that present moment. The bell is just a portal, but there, for most of the time in our lives, there is sound. and we can allow ourselves to become aware of the sound in the same way noticing the flow of sound the change of sound sound passing our awareness and the breath
for those of you that close your eyes, you might want to try Krishna's advice. And notice, if, you, if we look down past the tip of our nose, with the eyes half shut, maybe more than half shut, which is very common in ancient statues of meditators, especially the Buddhist ones. You can see that the eyelids of the statue aren't quite closed as they meditate. So we're noticing sound and we're noticing the breath. And it's a portal to the present moment, as Eckhart Tolle would say. When noticing the present moment through sound and through the breath. And we can observe, we can witness the breath wherever it's convenient for us. Noticing the coolness and warmth in the nostrils. Or noticing the rising and falling of the belly. And so this fixing of our consciousness on one point or region is known as dharana. And so if we notice the movement of the breath in the belly, which is m the most frictionless focus, on the breath. Maintaining our awareness there. Just noticing the movement You may wish to place your fingers on the belly. And all we're doing is noticing that movement. This is Diana. Diana. 
our attention is directed towards the same point or region in a steady continuous flow of attention Just noting that tiny movement, belly rising, belly falling. If you find yourself distracted, mind, emotions, the body, what you can hear, whatever it happens to be, just release tension from the body on the out breath for a few breaths. just by noticing wherever that tension is. Adjust your posture, get yourself as comfortable as possible.
and this is one of the other eight limbs of Ashtanga Yoga called Asana which is posture and of the twelve postures that Patanjali described the last one the name of which I forget is sit as comfortably as you can calm and comfortable in your body and you return your attention to the minuscule movement of the belly rising and falling And so notice with this meditation, which I call the meditation of no meditation for the breath, there are no instructions. There's no trying. trying to stay focused on the breath 
or allowing the movement of the belly to draw our attention to it. So if you bring your attention to the space between the eyes, at any given time, all of the sensory input from your body is competing for your one attention. And in our culture we learn to try to ignore it. If we bring our attention to the space between the eyes and to bring it to life, take your palm and place it close to your forehead. without actually putting it in touch. Very, very close, just so that you can feel the warmth of the palm on the forehead. just leave your awareness with that part of the face. If you place your tongue up against the sharp part of the teeth, gently in contact with the sharp part of the bottom teeth, and the sharp part of the top teeth. And leave your attention with the eyes, the forehead, the eyebrows, while you're noticing the breath. Now with the tongue basically between the teeth, you're relaxing your jaw muscles. Jaw muscles are connected to the muscles at the side of the face. And so you're relaxing the eyes. And so you're noticing the eyes on the out breath. Breathing in normally, noticing the space between the eyes, breathing out, 
releasing tension from the eyes, starting from the forehead, eyebrows, eyes and cheeks. As if somebody's running their fingers gently down from the forehead over the eyebrows, eyes and cheeks. So we're still aware of the breath, but we're focusing on this part of the body. So there's two things happening here. One is your awareness, which is focused on that region. And the other thing is all of the sensory input from your forehead, eyebrows, eyes and cheeks. Can you separate the observer of this, the awareness that is aware of the eyes relaxing and the sensation of the eyes relaxing? Or is it as if it's all one? As Iyengar said, when the object of meditation engulfs the meditator, appearing as the subject, self-awareness is lost. And this is what's called samadhi. No separation between the witness and what we're witnessing.
awareness of the body relaxing and the body relaxing itself. Our awareness of the breath and the breath itself. Of course, that might trigger a certain amount of mental chatter. But what is that? Where's that coming from? We're noticing it in the same way that we're noticing the body. Noticing the relaxation, noticing the breath. No separation. It can become as if the eyes are relaxing themselves. turn to the ancient yoga meditation of noticing the breath with the eyes looking down past the tip of the nose so we can see the self through the mind and rest in the self just like it was written two thousand five hundred Three thousand years ago. And so whenever you're ready, in your very, very, very own time, 
gently patiently compassionately return your attention to your surroundings so there we go <laughs> there's this 2,500 year old, 3,000 year old practice and nothing's changed <laughs> and, um, and I, th I think if you read the Mahabharata the battles, the politics, the war, the and then you turn on the TV nothing's changed there either okay so that's it for tonight I hope you found that enjoyable relaxing and restful and calming um, because that's according to the instructions that I'm reading here from the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs>